Man, I'm just walking around and I don't even have a tote bag to put in my pins and mugs. Oh, that sounds like a shame. Hey, do you like musicals? Unrelated question. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> well, too bad. Hey, everyone. <laughs> this is our temporary attempt at an infomercial. Uh, just so you guys know, uh, last episode we mentioned that merch would be live. It's finally live now. Yes. Um, so please go ahead to our Nebula store and check it out. We've got tote bags. We've got mugs. We've got pins. We've got wonderful stuff. And we would like you to have them as well because we worked really hard to make yeah. sure that they were ready. And do you want to know something really cool about it? Is our boy Kava here What's designed that? them all? Oh, my goodness. He's his such sweat. a talent, a force to be reckoned with. I know. His sweat uh, yeah, and so tears. If you're experiencing problems in quality, <laughs> that's probably why. <laughs> but yes, I designed that mug just for you. It's uh, it's a picture of uh, tears coming off of Eric's tears. So like, it reminded me of those ones that say billionaire's tears. And then yeah. It's like a mug. I did that, but for Phantom of the Opera, yeah. just to get Angie to laugh. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. Kava made this merch to make me laugh. And do you like laughter? And do you like supporting musical things? Do you, like, do you things? enjoy laughing? <laughs> then please yes. check out our merch. Yes. yes. Um, uh, so anyway, uh, we just wanted to put that at the beginning of the episode. Also, we have a Patreon. Please, if you get a chance to sign up for that as well. But merch, merch, yes. merch. And on with the show. On with the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Musical Splitting Podcast. I am your host, and BFG, which stands for Big Friendly Guy Who Doesn't Like Musicals, Vegetarian. <laughs> and I am uh, the witch from The Witches. And the witch. I'm Elphaba, actually, from... Uh, Wrong property. Uh, from, from, from... Oh, whatever, you know, yeah, witches. Yeah, yeah. Witches are witches, man. No, uh, I'm Angelina Mears. Witches get stitches. Uh, I am your uh, co-host, Angelina Meehan. And um, if our uh, intros, as always, aren't the most succinct and clever clues. uh, (laughs) Classic. We're going to win awards. So, so, so much wordsmithing goes on. It should be wordsmith explaining. But today we are talking about Matilda the Musical. Matilda. A musical that I am actually not familiar with. I mean, I know basically a few things about it, but this was Mm -hmm. like, I think I mentioned this before in the podcast that there was kind of a period like right after college where I was trying really hard to um, not, not, not to say that I didn't like musicals, but it's like, I'd got my first office job. I was old enough to go out drinking and like, I just kind of fell off. Like, what was kind of going on in musical theater at the time. So like Mm -hmm. a lot of shows just kind of like passed over my head. And this is kind of one of them. So this is, this is, um, I feel like we're going to be having a couple of these this season, a show that I'm completely unfamiliar with. Um, but, uh, that I'm very excited to, to watch today. And we are specifically watching the, uh, 2022 musical movie that just came out on Netflix. So yes, that is what we are doing today. Yeah. And I, and I also don't, spoiler alert. I also don't know anything about this. Now you're like, yeah, Matilda's cleaning. I, I didn't even see the, the 90s movie like I'm very mm-hmm. unfamiliar with like anything Matilda oh really um, yeah yeah I didn't I saw I don't really know anything about it I think Danny DeVito's in it right it was in the it was yeah in the he, he, he's he's in it and he he also directed it oh he did okay um Matilda the book is kind of one of like 
those foundational like grade school books for me. Um, yeah. I it was the first book I the first like chapter book I ever remember reading like with, mm-hmm. you know, with chapters that were like more than like three pages long. You know, it was just like the first yeah, yeah, book yeah. I remember sitting down with and being like, I think I was eight years old because. So what happened with it was um I it was third grade uh, and we had my teacher had uh, been taken out early in the school year because she had gotten pregnant and been taken out. Her. <laughs> she like taken out. Yeah. <laughs> right. We can't have this teacher in here. With her baby. She was kind of, <laughs> she was asking too many questions. <laughs> She's asking too many questions about her baby, but she got replaced by um, this teacher who I remember very fondly. Her name was Miss Arba. She was like just out of college, super cool. And it was like, you know, 1995, 96. So she wore like the brown lipstick and like, mm. you know, corduroy Doc stuff. Martins. She was like, yes, yes, Back yes. She when was fashion like, the, was fashion. Not ironic. Fashion, fashion was fashion. Yeah. <laughs> she wore that brown overall corduroy dress and had like the cool, like blonde and brown hair. And so, so basically oh it was God, just I'm like, I guess maybe my her. first, my great. first teacher's crush, Miss <laughs> Arba. Uh, I loved her. She was fantastic. But I remember very specifically, uh, towards the end of the school year, she had started us on Matilda and like every couple of days would read us a chapter from it. And I remember as soon as she was done reading it, going to my mom and asking if she could take me to Borders Books and buy me a copy of it. Borders. And I read the shit out of it. And I, I was a big like, um, yeah, Borders Books. <laughs> God, I'm old. I think we mentioned it before on the podcast, too, for everybody who doesn't remember. It's a uh, yeah, it's it's it a part used of- to be the for Barnes and Noble sort of competitor, which Barnes and Noble barely exists now, too. But. You used to be able to buy books in a store. <laughs> yeah. It also had a coffee shop that yeah. sold shitty bagels. And but like that was like where my mom would like do like free babysitting. Not free. <laughs> oh, like, I, like a huge chunk yeah. of my childhood was just spent being like in bookstores and just like gathering a pile of books and magazines and you just go sit in like a corner and like just read for hours. Because we're fucking dorks, but yeah, it, I yeah, love exactly. that that's, shit. That's I still, if friends. there was bookstores around, I would still do that, but there's nowhere, there's not a lot. Honestly, it's like weirdly sad that like there's not a lot of bookstores to just be able to go sit in. There's like a couple of them in LA that are like bigger that you can go. I mean, there are still a couple of Barnes and Nobles, but it's like really inconvenient to get to. It's at like the Grove or the Americana. It's same, like, same yeah. here. <laughs> there's oh, like no yeah, mom and pop. Just hours, yeah. hours and hours and hours of my childhood was yeah. that. I loved we, it. We were well-behaved kids, so I'm yeah, not yeah. like saying like no, my mom nerds. dumped us on like the employees. We're <laughs> We were scared of our own shadows, uh, but my mom would like, <laughs> you know, scoop us in the car on a Friday night and just like she'd go off and go listen to like, you know, whatever new Kenny Heaven. G album Great was place. coming out. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, yeah that's in right. In the music right, section. They had that. Yeah, that's right. That's what Borders really had. It had uh, kind of like how Virgin Records used to be, which, again, another place that doesn't exist anymore. Oh, right. That's how I listened to a lot of cast recordings for the first time was mm, like going okay. to Borders books. So, you know, relevant, very important thing to me. But like uh, I remember getting my very first copy of Matilda um, and just reading it to death. Part of my foundational experience also was the affirmation BFG um, mm-hmm. was, was around the same time. I remember being in, I think I was in the second grade. I believe my teacher was Miss Campbell. Um, I think it was that and like Phantom Tollbooth were the two books that we were, we read around that age. So I remember I couldn't tell you anything that happened in the BFG because I, I don't remember it, but I remember like loving it. I remember being like, right. Really, really into it. And I remember trying to watch the Spielberg movie and being like, this does not feel like whatever it was that I remembered as a kid. And, but I couldn't tell you what happens in it. But yeah. I remember really loving it. And, you know, Roald Dahl was, I don't know if it's the same thing anymore, if he's as much a part of like reading foundational stuff for kids now. I guess you would know because you've got a little one. His books are still really popular. There's like this whole thing that like 
honestly, <laughs> we might have to cut this tangent for time, but I don't know if you saw on Twitter, there is like this whole, um, they're re-releasing books because, because you, without getting too deep into it, Roald Dahl's, you know, as a human being is a very controversial <laughs> adult. Yes. They're re-releasing editions of his books that have some word changes to them that, um, are meant to, I guess, feel more modern, less um, problematic. Um, but also there's, I think, I think it was kind of met on both sides of the spectrum as being kind of a, like inherently disearnest and just yeah. kind of like, why now? I mean, he's still really popular to the point where the Roald Dahl Foundation wanted to do this, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, and his books are so obviously like we have eight shit fucking ton of adaptations of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, yeah. Um and 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 oh my god, my other favorite was The Witches. Uh, I loved yeah. The Witches as a kid, both the the Angelica Houston movie and the book. I remember loving Boy as well when I was like in yeah. sixth grade or something. But I haven't read any of them as at all like since back in the day. But I remember loving it as a kid though. Yeah, well, Matilda was my first, and I think the the reason why I really liked Matilda and kind of the continuing thread about or in regards to why I really really liked a lot of Roald Dahl as a kid mm-hmm. um, is that he kind of always really got that kids are clever. And kids yeah, 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 yeah. That are, right. figure things out for themselves. Uh-huh. And like there's this inherent not distrust of authority inherent, <laughs> yeah. but just yeah. like, you know, that not all adults have their best interests out for uh-huh. you. And it's not uh-huh. completely grim dark. There's usually somebody you can trust and like but like that just, you know, adults don't always know what they're doing. And sometimes they're doing shit that which is one hundred percent correct. I can you. tell you this as being on the other side as being an adult. Now I'm like, I have no fucking idea what's happening on any given moment <laughs> I, on any given day anyway. I I am a garbage dumpster piece of yeah. shit. Like I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, I just I feel like the villain in a rolled doll book sometimes. And Matilda was always my favorite. Um, I think there's kind of like a universal like pool to dorky children with Matilda because she's a young child who is, you know, very bookish and mm-hmm. thoughtful and has kind of the world against her. So I guess with that, we should just get into the notes, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Matilda the Musical is a 2022 musical fantasy comedy film directed by Matthew Warkus, uh, featuring a screenplay by Dennis Kelly. It is based on the stage musical of the same name, which features a book by Kelly and music and lyrics by Tim Minchin, which in turn is based on the 1988 novel Matilda by Roald Dahl. The film stars Alicia Weir as the titular hero, Lashana Lynch, Stephen Graham, Andrea Risenborough, Risen, eh, Risenborough, Rise, Riseborough. Riseborough. <laughs> I, I always want to do Risen when I see the rise, Riseborough, Shh, sh- um, Riseborough. and uh, and Emma Thompson. Uh, Matilda, Matilda tells the story of little Matilda Wormwood, a young girl raised by two neglectful and openly disdainful parents who shun their daughter for her precocious mind. Despite this, Matilda develops a love of books and learning. She liked to go learning. to borders a lot. Um, <laughs> right. That's literally like the part of the plot. The part of the, yeah. She went to listen to the new Kenny G record. And no, anyway, sorry. When Matilda starts primary school at Crunchum Hall. Her brilliant nature catches the immediate attention of her teacher, Miss Honey. When Miss Honey petitions for Matilda to be moved ahead in her classes, I'm out of practice, sorry. Both teacher and pupil fall under the direct ire of Miss Trunchbull, the frightening headmistress of the school who has a penchant for cruel and usual punishment against the staff and students. I'm assuming you're meant to say cruel and unusual punishment, not usual. Cruel and unusual. I guess for her it's usual. It's usual, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, But as the Trunchbull's reign of terror grows and the Wormwood parents continue to antagonize their daughter, Matilda discovers a new and highly unusual talent of her own. Telekinesis! Yeah! Will Matilda be able to use her gifts to save the school from Miss Trunchbull's iron grip? 
What is the deal with Miss Honey and her secret past? Can a, smile, can a small child ever be trusted to understand the ethical implications of being able to move shit with her mind? All this and more in Matilda. Yeah. Uh, in December 2000, <laughs> thank you. In December 2009, the Royal Shakespeare Company announced its intention to stage a musical adaptation with direction by Matthew Warkus, an adaptation by Dennis Kelly. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing it. I can't tell if it's. I'm assuming it's Warkus. Yeah. Or we'll Warkus. Big, we'll big, see. big apologies if not. Yeah. In advance. Uh, musician and comedian Tim Minchin, who had incidentally tried to obtain the rights for a stage version of Matilda for a youth theater adaptation in the early 2000s. In 2010, it opened at the Courtyard Theater in Stratford-upon-Avon before having its West End debut on October debut. 25th, 2011. I know, <laughs> debut. I just like saying debut. Debussy. Uh, 2011 at the Cambridge Theater. Where it continues to play to this. Oh, it continues to play to this day. Uh, Matilda won seven Olivier Awards and five Tonys, spawned a Broadway version that ran for nearly four years and continues to find life through dozens of international productions. So this this movie film adaptation appears to be quite cool and crazy. I think I just saw like a brief trailer for it. Uh, obviously, people have been mentioning this to us on Twitter, asking us to to uh, review it, which is why we decided to do it. But it looks like they threw some money at it, at least from like the brief clips that I've seen. Yeah, and I, I'm really excited for it just because, like, um, I think I've brought this up many times, but Emma mm-hmm. Thompson is my girl. I like immediately enjoy everything with Emma Thompson, even really bad stuff that she's yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. So, she's our girl. like. I love her so much, so I'm very excited for that. Um, I should say, like, uh, Tim Minchin, who wrote the music and lyrics for this, is someone who, like, I know as a comedian. Like, I don't know if you've ever heard, he's probably his most famous song um, is, like, the song about the Pope, but, like, they're very, he does, like, piano comedy. Uh, so, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he writes I know the comedy. name. I, like, I, I can't think of Tim Minchin right now. I don't know why. I definitely, have you, Have we done something that he's done before? Oh, he's he's been in, um, he played, I think, a Judas in a production of Jesus Christ Superstar. Uh, did you have to watch that? Maybe. I guess his career started bending more towards musical theater at this point because he also worked on um, another popular uh, adaptation for musical theater, uh, Groundhog Day, which I have not seen. Again, this is during oh, okay. this period of musical theater. Comedy, or they did a musical of it. That's wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of people people uh, really, really love it. But um, I, again, this kind of period of musical theater that I just kind of like brain farted on entirely. So I'm really excited for this. So it's my first Tim Minchin show to see as someone who enjoys his comedy. His tone of comedy, I think, also will really lend itself well to Matilda. So I'm just kind of like, okay, like this is... This, the vibes are there. Everything is in place. Um, and I love this book. And I, yeah, like I, I see the potential. I see the vision, you know? Do you know what the, uh, what's the temperature? Uh, succession's back. What's, what's the temperature? How do people like it? It tends to be a general, people really seem to like this adaptation from my limited understanding of this, right? Of, of the movie itself? Yeah, yeah. I actually, you know, yeah, yeah. I've gotten like the, the people, people seem to like it a lot. That it's, he was pretty close to the Broadway show, which in turn is a pretty faithful adaptation of the book itself. Um, so, yeah, I know people like this one. I'm really excited. I haven't <laughs> I've been having a really bad week. So, <laughs> like, oh. uh, yeah, I mean, which the, the hard thing, though, is like, I don't know if there's like this role reversal this season where I'm talking myself into things <laughs> and being like hype for them <laughs> and then immediately coming out like, well, boy, that was certainly something. Why did but I, I do I, that? I, <laughs> 
Why did I do that indeed? But um, I, I have uh, really good feelings with it. Again, this is a musical that I know basically nothing from. Although I will say, in the many, 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 many productions, and there have been like 8,000 international tours of this, that, you know, between also just like the United States has had a tour, it's had, the, like again, this uh, almost four-year long-running show. Uh, its first regional theater debut is actually at Philadelphia at the Walnut Street Theater. Oh, no shit. <laughs> and I did not go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is like, uh, it builds itself as like America's oldest theater. There's a mm. lot of controversy controversy around that there's a lot uh. of controversy around the theater itself but uh yeah like matilda has a name and i'm actually very happy for it and i did walk by the theater where it is currently playing in london when i was there last summer and almost saw it but i ended up seeing um of course phantom and then a uh, cabaret so you disgust yeah. me i i had to be me this one just keeps it keeps i know i disgust you and yet here we are okay so who's the more disgusting uh. person <laughs> <laughs> but this this musical's kind of been like my sliding doors. Like I just keep missing it, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, <laughs> so, fi- we'll, so, we'll we'll finally be able to sit down and force you to watch your you know greatly revered music or a book from when you were a kid. Yes. Um, yeah. So I'm hoping that you enjoy it. I'm hoping that you have a good time. I'm hoping that I don't hate it and don't want to uh, gouge my eyes out, which has been the case for everything all the time. You can only have so many eyeballs. That's true. Um, I just keep regenerating them. Unfortunately, I don't. There's probably a Greek tragedy of that where somebody has to keep watching musicals and gouges right. his eyes and ears out, but they grow back the next day. Right. While he's pushing a giant rock up a hill or something. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah, that's yeah. that sounds like that's a Euripides play. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess any parting thoughts? I'm like, I'm happy to see another musical that is about a girl at school using telekinesis to get revenge. Love uh, it. One day, one day we'll do Carrie the musical. But I feel like this is probably the better musical. It's a good primer so. for it. It's a good primer for Carrie the musical. Good but primer. yeah, with that, um, I'm excited to go. Uh, take our break and uh, get myself into the headspace of an underappreciated girl who just likes her books and wants peace and quiet. And, you know, gosh, I love Matilda. Love it. I haven't even started the show. (laughs) All right. We're going to go watch Matilda and come back with some thoughts. I'm using my brain right now to make you go watch it. Brain power. This episode is sponsored by NordVPN, which stands for Virtual Private Network, not Vibrant Pizza Nightclub, which is something I deeply believe should exist. VPNs encrypt your internet traffic and disguise your online identity by giving you the ability to change your IP address. This makes it more difficult for third parties to track your activities online. Now you might be wondering, why would one want to change one's IP address? That sounds like a lot of work. Do I need to go to the post office and fill out a change of address form? Will I suddenly be bombarded with move-in special coupons that I'll never use and just dump directly into the recycling? Why do they keep cutting down trees for this? Don't worry, you don't have to do any of that. It's all virtual, remember? Virtual private network? Look, there's plenty of reasons to sign up for Nord and they all result in you keeping your private life private. So. Right now, you should go to nordvpn.com slash musicalsplaining and sign up for one of their plans. There are big discounts on everything, but of course, when you go big, like with the two-year plan, you get the most percent off and even a few months free, which I don't need to tell you is a welcome breath of fresh air in this economy. So again, go to nordvpn.com slash musicalsplaining and sign up and keep what kind of pizzas you buy between you and your delivery person. We are back, baby. We are back. We are using our minds to do incredible feats of 
movement and song and dance. Mind we are control. Mind control. We got the telekinesis of the heart. Uh, I don't know what that, any of that meant, but uh, we're back. And <laughs> the telekinesis we, of, the, of heart. the heart. Yeah. <laughs> God bless you, Jim Steinem, for doing that. <laughs> I, uh, before this, someone, Angie took me by my, you know, the sides of my head because that's where I have enough hair. And then she swung me around really hard and then threw me. <laughs> yeah. I, I shot put you all the way across the United <laughs> States to Philadelphia so you could watch Matilda with me. Um, Matilda, and then you picked yeah. me up. You picked me up by the ears. And and then yes. like, so I can basically wear them like a shroud I know now. from experience. <laughs> <laughs> Earlobes not rip. Yes, we, we, we learned a lot uh, of things about the human body uh, and about Matilda <laughs> this week. Yes, yes. But yes. So we watched Matilda. Apparently, Angie, ever the teacher's pet. Sat and read the entire book. It's a kid. Makes me look bad. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's it's like you could read it in an hour, an hour and a half, you know. And it's it's it's. But I was like, you know what? This made me want to go and revisit uh, maybe it. Maybe for some of us. Okay, right. Not to brag, but I can. You're read like, it. if you read it like an 80th grade li- reading level, you can read it in like an hour. But some of us who are real can't. Yeah, do that. I read a 200 pages children's book in uh, an hour. I, uh, 200 maybe, pages. I mean, that's so that's, long. But the paragraphs are big. Okay, like the. It's big, and there's like a bunch of Fair illustrations yeah. in it. Like, oh, so we mm. <laughs> this is uh, tangential to like the, something we discussed on the live stream. And he's not a cartoonist, but an illustrator. But yeah. my my all time role model is Quentin Blake, who did all the illustrations for oh, Roald Dahl's books. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And I was just like rereading it. I was like, God damn it, I love Quentin Blake so much. But that's besides the point. Uh, so yes, we watched the 2022 Matilda, produced by Netflix, and I I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say I actually really enjoyed it. Like I was uh like pleasantly surprised by it like yeah i, I yeah. don't know if pleasantly let's, let's, surprised uh, but yeah <laughs> like i i, I, I I'm let's, happy do, to talk. let's do a recap real quick yeah yeah and then we'll go into the uh so matilda of course is about a girl i don't remember what her name is matilda um i think it was it, matilda. It's matilda yeah, yeah matilda right yeah nah, i'm doing the dad joke <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 i'm at that age now <laughs> yes matilda is this girl she's born to parents who were really angry that she was a, not a boy and um, they're terrible and mean to her and she's they were, been homeschooled. One was not even aware she was pregnant and then the other one was like oh wait right. I thought I was having a boy. Yeah it starts so it starts with the song about how everyone is a special miracle all babies are a special miracle and then you meet Matilda's parents who yeah who who are have the opposite feeling you know. They suck. <laughs> they're like this baby sucks I don't want this baby blah 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 and we flash forward to Matilda as a young girl I no longer everyone to me looks like a child <laughs> sure. because I'm just at that age where I'm like, is, what is she? She's probably like around 10, nine. Yeah, like I think eight, she's seven, like she's like, like eight or 10, like, like eight to nine, 10. Maybe? She's like five in the books, which makes it what even more wild. She's like a five year old in the books. But I think this girl's like, you know, okay, like okay. nine or 10 years old. But uh, yeah. yeah. Shh. So she's 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 an average young girl. We'll just put it there, except she's not average in many ways uh, for we flash ahead to her as a as a small girl. And she um, basically spends all of her time at the library, which in this case is like a like a mobile library. uh, And her only mobile library. Yeah, it's like a van. It's like a taco truck, but like a library truck where it drives around and people line up to get. (laughs) 
right. <laughs> uh, but so basically her only friend is the librarian, Mrs. Phelps. And at home, basically, Matilda's parents are um, little Britain characters, uh, for lack of a better word. Oh, it's like ab fab characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, her dad's a used car salesman and her mom is just like, yeah, ab fab. That's the best way Both to do that. wonderfully played. Uh, I always forget Stephen, whatever his name. I'm like, he's in everything. And I always yeah, remember uh, his Stephen name. Graham. I always I always think of him Graham, in uh, yeah. uh, Boardwalk Empire. Oh, he's so funny in this. Uh, but oh, yeah. I think of him in like serious oh, dramatic. I always think of him in Irishman, where he wears shorts oh. to the fucking meeting. <laughs> right. So yeah. like one of my favorite things of that movie. He's great. He's really funny. He's very funny, and so is Andrea Riseborough. Not Risenborough, as I said in the first half. Riseborough. They're both fantastic. They're really fucking funny in it. They're really funny in this. I'm just so used to him playing like serious roles, like terrifying people, yeah. like gangsters, uh-huh, and he's uh-huh. he's really fun in this. But so yeah, they don't care about their daughter, and basically she goes to the library and is just like this very advanced reader with this like active imagination. And then one day, a social worker and a teacher from the local school miss honey show up at her house and they discover that the mm-hmm. um wormwoods have conveniently forgotten to send their daughter to school so yeah. oh yeah like, oh right <laughs> and uh so then they basically she is started at crunchham hall and as soon as she gets to crunchham hall all the older kids are like welcome to hell uh <laughs> yeah basically yeah. In, a, in a really funny number actually i love uh, that I number to as the alphabet song uh yeah which I have a lot of thoughts about yeah. about all the songs on this, but they basically sort of like prime her about how like everything's terrible. And Matilda's in a little bit of disbelief, which is kind of funny considering the parents that she grew up with, where she's just like, Miss Trenchpool can't be that terrible. Like, just tell them the truth. Like, she's sort of weirdly naive about it. Yeah, she's made uh, like a, course, a lateral they... move, basically. She's gone from yeah. like one bad place <laughs> to another. Uh, yeah. Correct, yeah. And uh, so she... Um, is put into Miss Honey, the teacher who uh, was the teacher that came to her parents' house. She's put in Miss uh, Honey's mm-hmm. class. And Miss Honey already, like, proves herself to be, like, you know, like, the the dream teacher that every kid wishes they had. Wonderful you know, she's and very compassionate and, and very sweet. Yeah. yeah. And very cottagecore. everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very cottagecore. So cottagecore. And she right away catches on to, so like basically there's a bunch of math problems that are left over from like a night class on the board. And it's straight up Max Fisher is what it is. It's the opening of Rushmore, but for real is what happens to her. It's the hardest geometry problem in the world. And then they're like, can yeah. anyone solve this? And then she goes up to the board. Yeah. And then she also mentions like all of the books she's read that week. She's basically read like um, every like, high school reading list book like she's read Jane Eyre and like Great yeah. Expectations oh she read Matilda in like two days because it was only like 200 <laughs> right. pages basically <laughs> she's not as smart as me is what I'm getting at uh, so Miss Honey is like oh shit this kid's really smart and she goes to the headmistress of the school the Miss Trunchbull to make a case that played Matilda by. Sh- played by Emma Thompson our girl our girl Emma yeah. Thompson uh, delivering as always uh, in case you've missed out on like Matilda on this or sorry Matilda in any of its forms um Trunchbull is just like this terrifying former Olympic shot putter who hates children. Yeah. It's basically it's kind of way, like what a great villain. Like what a funny, like yeah. absurd. It's so just like hilarious character. Yeah. And <laughs> I think I think on stage it's played in drag and here it's uh, for, for this particular oh, show. Yeah. But then this it's played by Miss by Miss Emma Thompson here, who is genuinely kind of terrifying in this. Like, oh, she's so good in it. Yeah. Just chewing the scene. She's loving it. She's, she's having like the best time having the best time. Um, and, you know, so uh, <laughs> basically uh, Miss Trunchable's like, oh, 
oh, I've heard about Matilda Wormwood from her parents and she's a little devil and I don't like her and blah, blah, blah. So she basically already already has it out for Matilda and, you know, like it's never yeah. good. A uh, bunch of stuff happens. Uh, she's on the Matilda's on the playground making friends, you know, and then the Trunchbull comes out and demonstrates how horrible she is by picking up in a very famous mm-hmm. scene from every adaptation of Matilda. She picks up a girl yeah. by the pigtails and throws her across. She, she hates her pigtails, basically. She's personally offended by them. I right. hate pigtails. Right, right. Just just does not like them. And she, I, I might be confusing with the book, but there's a great line in the book. And I think it happens here where she was like, I was never a little girl. You know, like she just is like, <laughs> she went from baby that to like. Does sound, that's a perfect trenchable line. The yeah. book is, I, I will say the book is so fucking funny. Like I just went like, it is, yeah. it is a fun, like I don't, I don't give a shit that I'm 35. It was genuinely a fun yeah. book to read. Matilda finds out that. Miss Honey is uh, oh the other there's all the other stuff like Bruce Bruce uh, eating the chocolate cake the whole chocolate cake in the school cheering him on and stuff basically yeah the short the short version of it is is like all the kids are terrified of Trunchbull Matilda kind of comes in and is like stands up to her because she's like this doesn't make sense this is dumb why would you do this and like basically pointing out all the logic the fallacies and the sort of illogic of it and Trunchbull ends up targeting Matilda and yes, saying like yeah. you're a troublemaker like you're gonna lead lead a revolution trying to like. They got to squat out the one that stands up to everybody. So then it just increases. The stakes keep going up higher and higher as Trenchbull and her just kind of keep butting heads and getting crazier. Meanwhile, while she's going, she continues to go to the uh, the taco stand book, the book taco. I'm sorry, the book, <laughs> the book taco sh- uh, truck. But yeah. <laughs> and uh, she's telling a story to the librarian owner. And then it's about this, you know, um, this trapeze artist and an escapologist. It sounds like this really funny, like bizarre, like circus story. That she just comes up with. She's like, I don't even know where these stories come from. I'm not sure yet. Yeah. So she, she keeps telling this uh, story about. Yeah. Like uh, so basically the escapologist and the acrobat are in love and, you know, they can't get pregnant. But then they finally do get pregnant. But it's at the moment they decided to do like this incredibly dangerous, very like from a child's point of view kind of trick, like dynamite in her hair, sharks, blah, 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 blah. And uh, the acrobat has a stepsister who has like this ironclad contract that they have to perform the trick and so basically what happens is the acrobat ends up breaking all their bones in her body giving birth to uh their child and then dying immediately afterward and then so the child is raised by the evil stepsister and then the dad dies so basically yeah and then it's basically revealed that matilda kind of has like this gift of foresight and that this is Miss Honey because Miss Honey is living in a cottage and like has no money, nowhere to go. She's kind of stuck in this job. And Matilda really empathizes with her. And she slowly puts together that, oh, wait a minute. This is this is actually Miss Honey. So all of this comes to a head when the Trunchbull makes all the kids do this like P.E. class from hell. And she ends up magically being able to knock this glass full of water and a newt on the trunch bowl. And it's, oh my gosh, she's got telekinesis. And that's kind of like, we go into the third act with that, or, you know, like where Matilda finally like confronts the trunch bowl with this new power of hers. And basically um, what she knows about Miss Honey's parents uses uh, her, her, her telepathy or not telepathy, telekinesis to scare the shit out of the trunch bowl. Yeah, writes this thing on this giant chalkboard behind pretending to be the ghost of her dead uh, brother being like, I will do to you what you did to me if you don't give everything to Miss Honey. And then right. there's this big standoff and then they fight and then they just toss her and then she's gone uh, and they they get rid of her. There's this really crazy chain monster that Matilda yeah, makes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is really fantastic. I mean, there's a lot there's a lot of stuff we're missing, but th- those are the sort of broad strokes. And then she's gone and then Miss Honey inherits the school and then it turns out her uh, Matilda's dad who like tried to sell this totally fucked up like terrible fake car to the it ends up being the mafia 
And then they're like, cool, we got to leave. Like, we got to flee to Spain. And then Miss Honey is like, I can take care of Matilda if she doesn't want to leave. And she's like, cool. And then her parents are like, bye. And she just gets adopted and they live happily ever after in Miss Honey's house in the school. So on and so forth. Yeah. First of all, like as far as the story goes, uh, I actually wanted to ask you a few questions about it because you're more in the space of children's stuff, having a daughter and just being like more exposed to it and stuff. I was like, is there, is it just me being old or is it just me not being exposed to any more stuff? But I feel like you don't see stories that are kind of dark to this extent that they, I I feel like this sort of was normal for us growing up. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking at it with the ending where I'm like, yeah, her parents are just like, yeah, cool. We don't really want you either. Bye. Like, I I feel like you wouldn't really see a story like that these days. And it feels very, not dated, but it feels like it's very much from like a different era that's been sort of readapted. It was kind of interesting to see that. And it, it does feel like a, th- a throwback. And I, I feel like so. So Matilda, the book was written in 1988. I think it was one of his last of like his big kids books. Oh, I didn't realize it was that late. Yeah, 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 exactly. And uh, oh, okay. when they lean into it stylistically, like in terms of like how the parents are dressed and, you know, whatever. But, but um. Mm-hmm. What I really liked about this, and I this I don't want this episode to be like about comparisons of other versions, but like the book itself is really funny. And what this this version does is it leans into like the darker aspects of it in a way that other versions have not. Like Matilda actually feels like a kid in this version. Um, mm-hmm, a lot mm-hmm. of her, she still has Even a lot. She's of, technically a little bit older than the book, which right. is like you're saying, which is funny. But but she still feels like a kid. Like her fears feel like really like she does. She acts like a kid. Like she feels very natural. And like that's kind of a big point in in the book is like she is just like this kid who's kind of not super aware of how special she is. She just does these things because that's how she is. She likes to read. Like that's it's not it's never like this like. I don't know, like it, she just feels like an actual girl in this. And I'll be I'll be like really real. I kind of like having a daughter and watching her as she's getting ready to go into elementary school in a couple of years, you know, like mm-hmm. this actually really like got me. <laughs> like like I, really? I, I cried a couple of times <laughs> straight up. Yeah. Um and again, like what I had mentioned in the first first part of this episode was why I liked Roald Dahl was because he kind of understands the kind of emotional intelligence of kids. And I think that mm-hmm. ver- this version really kind of locked into that, even though the fact that the story she's telling the librarian is, you know, this weird. This is an ad. The, the, the acrobat uh, escapologist, escapologist rather stuff is an escapologist. Adi- <laughs> I think it's an addition that is uh, solely the musical. Other adaptations have done the same thing where they try to flesh out the Miss Honey thing because in the book, it kind of all happens right towards the end. Like it's more of a vignette kind of thing, Matilda. And then like maybe okay. in the last quarters when she finds out all of Miss Honey's past and like they really just suddenly like, you know, peanut butter and jelly. Shove it all in at yeah. the end. Yeah. <laughs> but like so this this one kind of uses that as a way to stretch out like this relationship she has with Miss Honey and this like growing sense yeah. of empathy. Uh, but even the way that like Matilda tells it again, it feels like something from a child's point of view as that there's like a scene mm-hmm. where she's kind of telling herself the story and the librarian's not there. And she's been like locked yeah, in the yeah. attic by her parents. And it, it is like, I remember being, cause I, th- I think uh, Matilda attracts very sensitive, small kids <laughs> uh, with a lot of feelings. And I, you know, I had some stuff happen as a kid that made like childhood very lonely. And like, it was just kind of like, wow, like that felt like this, well, like this, this is a kid, you know, like, and it kind of, if, you know, like this is a kid telling herself something, even if it is like this gift of foresight or whatever that they've added here, like this is a kid telling herself something to survive and to not feel alone and to, I'm like getting emotional shit. Like, <laughs> but okay. like, That's what uh, we're here. I like, I vibed with it so hard. And like that scene where like, 
they build up to her telekinesis, like the realization that she can mm-hmm. do it. Like, yeah, it's kind of done without preamble in the book. Like, like mm-hmm. you, you get the sense that like there's something special about her, but like in this, like they have this long song about like the feelings in her and just like this idea of like the noise in her head and then wanting peace and quiet. And I was just like, this is like such yeah, a really yeah. good, like metaphor for like not understanding fully something that is, really hard in your life as a kid if it's about that age and i was like shit like this feels like (laughs) not being able to put words to it necessarily yeah yeah so even if it's not telekinesis like that is what that when you have like those feelings of i am angry or scared or just hyper high emotion about something like that is what that feels like you know and so i was just like fuck like and and it's funny and the kids kept being like all how do all those brains fit inside your head like they keep talking about how to just squish it all in there and she's like i don't fucking know yeah, it's it, I was just like very like floored by that. So like I, I it did feel like I get what you're saying. It felt like a movie that was just like it didn't have like like for lack of a better word, kid gloves on it Um, in, in terms of dealing mm-hmm, with like mm-hmm. things that are scary and hard about being a kid, which a lot of I guess the films we grew up on didn't have either. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and also just it's still jarring even as an adult to see just like you said, the the very famous scene of her grabbing of Miss Trunchbull grabbing the kid by the fucking pigtails. Yeah. And like, throwing her and like it's and i've seen a lot of fucked up shit and even that still is like oh this is like crazy like yeah, this, this is, is wild that they still put it in well like all i could think of while watching this version and they lean into it like i feel like it's an intentional thing but how much it just was like watching pink floyd's the wall and like this idea of like yeah. <laughs> how school is a machine and it's like the singing kids right, yeah it's, it's the like, singing kids for sure i had pink floyd as a note as well right. 100%. it was just like oh they're in this you know grim british we school don't need <laughs> no education and grimy and bleak and the kids are just singing but they're sad and it's dark and like I was just like oh this is some Pink Floyd shit right here um, and I guess like the other thing I was th- that was sitting on my mind while watching it too is just like um, not, not to get like political but just with like what we don't trust kids to learn in school and you know all these laws that we pass against kids and their own agency like it just like this is a story about you know I guess intellectual and personal freedom for children and trusting their, you know, abilities and treating them like people. And like, so like I was really mm-hmm. emotional mm-hmm. watching this. I was like, shit, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Like it hit me really, really hard. And I was just like, I was not, I was, uh, you know, again, had liked Matilda, loved Matilda even a lot growing up the book and, uh, was, you know, very excited to watch this going in, but like coming out of it, I was like, damn man, <laughs> like, and even just like that song about like it's like the second act opener where it's all the kids singing about when they're going to grow up and what it will be like. And it was like that. It could have easily oh, been like yeah, yeah, yeah. really cheesy like that. Normally that stuff can like skew yeah. really hardcore, but it was like balanced out by like this perfect sense of like kids expectations of what adulthood is. And then like there's an occasional yeah. truth in that. But then most of it is also mixed in with like this just these very childish uh, optimistic ideas of what being an adult is. And I'm looking at my four-year-old and I'm just like, fuck man. Like I'm just sitting there. Going, uh, like, She doesn't know how hard the world is and how dark it's going to be. And, uh, you know, and I was just, yeah. So I was very emotional yeah. watching. Or the looking forward to growing up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Looking forward. I remember looking forward to growing up. Like, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And just now we're here and we're like, fuck, why should have gone back? Yeah. So like, I, I guess moving on from this specifically and getting into like kind of the other aspects of it, like, 
there there were things that like I was like, was this a perfect show? No, but what I think why I ended up really liking it is it leaned into this idea of what it is to be a kid and to be vulnerable and like to be honest about that mm-hmm. and and what mm-hmm. what the world feels like and what it feels like when you are scared for the first time in your life of something that is beyond your control, you know. Um, and so I think like mm-hmm. like that kind of thesis is kind of always there throughout the show, and I'm just yeah, I was kind of floored mm-hmm. by it because like you don't really see that in a lot of stuff for kids. Uh, leaned into that hard, let alone at all. So yeah, I was just yeah. like, shit. I yeah. <laughs> I I um I actually thought it was excellent. I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was like a, a, it's sort of like a ruthlessly lean film, considering how much money was clearly thrown at it. Yeah, but it didn't feel like money was wasted, just in terms of like delivering a product that was like very very concise and like. It was to the point it did kind of didn't have like an ounce of fat on it. Like it's just it moves at this really fast pace. Dare I say I know this sounds kind of crazy, but like it kind of felt like fucking like Mad Max Fury Road. But like as a musical, (laughs) just like the rhythm of it, like it just sort of like grabs you by the throat, like just from the very opening shots. And just it has this speed to it, like all the way through. And there's so much coverage and like the it's really fucking dense what it has to say and what it does with like it, cause it's a very simple story at its front. Like it what, is, it, yeah. what, what it manages to pack in and it does, it, it feels very short. Like it's, it is two hours long, does, but like yeah. it just goes by so quick. It is so well paced and like, yeah, there's not a moment. It's really, wasted. Yeah, it's, it's edited masterfully. It's beautifully done. It's beautifully cut together. The sequences, like all the different dance sequences are sorry. The kid, the, first of all, yeah. fucking, how do you get kids to dance like I that? Know. Number one, <laughs> That many fucking kids. I know. This movie goes fucking hard and it doesn't, it doesn't let up. It just, this nonstop. It's incredible. Yeah. Like, well, like the, just even that sequence where they first gets to school and yeah. like the kids are standing behind the gate. Yeah. And then they're doing some, I don't even know what the fuck they're doing. They're doing some like Martha Graham by way of like. So you think you can dance, but like, at, there's like a, so many kids. There's so many, like every scene has like 60 children dancing in perfect harmony, like doing like these really crazy, like very beautiful, beautifully choreographed uh, dances. Yeah. And then it just, the cutting is so fast. This is what I mean that like, it really is sort of like Fury Road. It's, it's this Mad Max thing. Right. Where you're like, it's I was crazy. watching that. I felt so out of shape. Like just these kids are going <laughs> Cause like the kids are always going hard, but they really save it for that last number. Yeah, and they yeah, do these yeah, incredible, yeah. like, like oneers with them dancing uh-huh, uh-huh. too, running like, down the hallway. And then like kids are coming in and out. They're flipping. There's papers flying around. It's so like shit's going on. Like every frame has like some shit crammed into it. And it's just very, I'm telling you, it's literally, it's Fury Road. It's Mad Max. It's the Mad Max of <laughs> musical films. It's, it's very yeah. similar in its cutting style. Yeah, I, I was wondering sitting there watching it because I was enjoying it so much. Um, even just compared to going into it with a good frame of mind, I was like, I wonder if Kava is actually enjoying this because I actually think this is oh, a yeah. really good movie. Oh, no, I, I totally. Like, even in the opening, too, is like it's that first uh, the first few shots are just they're of cute babies and they're just like, oh, but my mom says I could do that. And I'm like, oh, it's cute. And then it cuts to that hospital set, which is really crazy. Yeah. With like that bright yellow and like the and I was like, what the fuck? It's really it's it's very like I said, it's it's. Money is not wasted and it doesn't feel overblown at the same time, which is weird because it's clearly an expensive movie, but it's not a movie where you're like, like any of these, I don't know, fucking crazy special effects movies that you see. You're like, this is too much. Like they're being too ambitious. It's like they didn't spend more money than they needed. It seems like. 
what I was like really charmed by in this is they find the right kind of moments to blow up the film. Like, yeah. yes, this big sequence in the hospital where all these parents are talking about how special their children are. And it's just this very brightly colored like it's kind of what Tim Burton does throughout all of his films now, like we're just yeah, these big yeah. bright things, but they're always just done. So every scene is like that and it's all ugly and it's like not purposeful, but like, this was just like, they found the fun moments to really blow this out. And like, there was that scene, all of the uh, kind of acrobat and, uh, escapologist. Yeah. Escapologist. Yeah. And like, it's always kind of like brightly lit and like whimsical looking despite how dark it is. But mm-hmm. like, yeah, they find the right moments to just like really crank it up. And yeah, it doesn't feel wasteful or like, it's not like Greatest Showman where every scene is that, you know, and you're just like, okay, kill no, me. It's, 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 ru- uh, it's ruthless in a way that I, I see that as a compliment or like, it really just doesn't, there's no fat to it. It's, it's really entertaining. It's very well directed. It's very like big. It's a good I think it's a pretty good entry into like just musicals on film, like as far as like a more contemporary way. And and most importantly, I think it's it really does live. This is what I was going to talk about as far as the music and the but specifically the way that the lyrics are constructed, which I I almost like never pay attention to because like I can't follow anything. Just the, the the pattern and the structure of it. It has this like love of words where like it just it likes like the way that words sound. It's not about like the words, the meaning of the words themselves. It's more about like these words are fun to say in like succession. And it like that's the fun. And like that to me is very like that's fun for kids, like to be able to say these kinds of things. It's not Dr. Seuss where it's sort of absurd words that they're making up that don't exist. It's it's kind of like this. The diction is so strong and it's like a, a mastery of the of the language. But like you're giving it to kids as a way to play with them and get them interested in it. Like time has come to put that tumbly tum to use. No excuses. Bruce is very like they're fun right. lyrics to say. I guess to your to I guess what you're saying and, and thinking about just like um, Roald Dahl in general, but like the way he names characters in his books, it's almost like, mm-hmm. yeah, like they're fun names to say, like Bruce Bogtrotter and, yeah. you know, Matilda Wormwood and, you know, Agatha Trunchbull, like these names that like, yes, it's almost like, you know, Tolkien saying like how cellar door sounds nice. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's, it's like, exactly right. Yeah, Like it has that kind of it's affect. And I think a lot of Roald Dahl names. Like, yeah. 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 And I think like a lot of Roald Dahl speech kind of has the characters and just like concepts that he puts out there have that kind of same thing and the lyrics definitely lean into the fun of how words sound like just that that one song again where she comes to the school and the kids are giving her the lay down and oh like my God, that song's fantastic thing, the, <laughs> that song is so good up. do you know how hard that pro- so song good. was to write like just lyrically yeah, the way that they read that it seemed like a fucking how long did this take I know. I was just sitting there going like, because like you don't get what it's building to a meet like at first it builds uh-huh. to that and you're like, oh shit! Like it's putting the phonetics of the alphabet into this warning of 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 what the it's, school is. It's incredible. Like. It's so, so good. Like, and then it's so, we're in this living in L, <laughs> like and then they go yeah. to like, a fucking yeah, exactly. boiler room and they're in hell and it's the letter L. Yeah. It's just it's like half puns, half like hip hop, half like. I don't know. It's Half really, phonetics, yeah, just it's fucking beautifully done. That sequence in particular, I thought that song was like, holy shit, how do you write something like this? That song was so fucking good. Like, I yeah. think my I think my only only criticism of this was that some of the Trunchbull songs are kind of forgettable. Like, they like so? it's, that musically, sometimes it sounds a little similar, but like, I don't give a shit because like <laughs> the emotional heart of it is so good and the lyrics are so good. Like the lyrics tell that story. The lyrics are characters like 
like th- that oh, alphabet sure. song gives you the perfect description of what uh-huh. this school is like. Like you wouldn't you wouldn't need to have a big budget to do this show. As much as it feels like it would be a big budget mm-hmm. show, um, I know that the show is already available for kids to do. I have a friend who is directing oh, no a shit. student production of it right oh, now. No way. That's so, awesome. That'll be a lot of fun to be in. Yeah, but like you wouldn't need to have this insane set to do it because this like the mm-hmm. lyrics it's just, just the give you school, this perfect right? layout yeah. of the land, right? <laughs> <laughs> like it's and all these uh, just even the quiet scene is like such a good like. Like character-driven song, like the songs are really good character-driven songs, and even like the the when I grow up song. What I like about this, and this is kind of going back to something earlier I said, where like it leans into the fact, like the book is very much as much as it is about Matilda. You spend a little time with like oh her friend Lavender Brown and her finding the newt and what her home life is Mm -hmm, like, and like mm -hmm. you get the sense of like the kids standing up for like the other kids stand up for themselves. And this version leans very much into it's not just Matilda, but all the kids finding agency and all the other kids yeah that bruce chocolate cake song was fun as hell yeah 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 the dance was really fun in that like mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. so good the camera work is crazy it's like and then the tables start like all moving and like like the entire cafeteria starts like shifting into this fucking uh like a clock like it's moving clockwise like it's really it's really wild it's really crazy this movie is fucking bonkers like yeah it's i think very, the more really thinking about it, like mad max <laughs> no i'm like, telling mad you max it's literally like you're just like wait really what good. the fuck but it's but right. the, it's very well directed because you don't I mean, at least I never felt disoriented. Like I did feel like it was moving very fast, but I wasn't like confused. Do You know what I mean? And like the a lot of the cuts, especially during those sequences, like Trunchbull song or like the kids songs, like those cuts are barely on screen for like one second, like two seconds. And yet you but it's it's always pushing you forward. And you're never feeling disorder. I never felt like I was confused. Like I always understood where I was, like what they were doing, where they were going, what the point of it was. A lot of it is just like quick reactions or just like reestablishing. It's it's very it's kind of masterful almost the way it's done. It's like it reminded me a lot of I'm going to say it like in terms of just editing and like understanding like the rhythm and like leaning into mm-hmm. like the rhythm of the music to do it like Moulin Rouge where everything yeah, is like yeah, very I was thinking frantic, that too. purposely yeah. so. Uh-huh, <laughs> like uh-huh. yeah 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 nothing's confusing like you're never like going what the fuck is going on here even within like you know just shots you're not like confused mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. but like it, it, it's very purposefully done and to you know build to the rhythm or build in or lean in rather to the rhythm of these songs and the emotion and the stakes of them it, it's so good yeah sorry i'm just like fuck yeah this movie was awesome no, it was awesome <laughs> as shit i made sarah watch part of it when she came back from work i was like check this out she's like are you feeling okay you're making me watch this and i was like yeah i mean she was excited but she was like why sure. are you She's like, you're really into Matilda. I was like, it's just really good. It's just like really well it's done. Really good. <laughs> well, Nick came. I was watching it while Nick was working, and he came down the stairs after I'd finished it. And I, I like I said, I'd cried a couple times. Yeah. And uh, he was like, "Oh, so how was it?" I was like, "Nick, it was really good. Like, <laughs> I, it was really good. I, I really liked it a lot." Also, I think Emma Thompson's uh, like we sort of talked about her, right? But like, to mm-hmm. at least for me, a lot of the film rides on uh, the strength of its villains, right? And so the idea that she's obviously terrible and she's like this horrible, you know, teacher, or sorry, uh, I guess she's the principal technically of the entire school. The phys ed sequence I thought was really funny too. Um, or she she does the song about like driving them through the woods and trying to make sure that they follow all these rules and stuff. But in the middle of that sequence where she says, you know, imagine a world without children. And then they yeah. all get like yeah. Thanos snap, Thanos snapped, and like they start disappearing, and then they cut <laughs> yeah. to her like on yeah. a swing, right? Yeah. It's this brief moment where it's just for like a second, and you yeah. kind of see like this little bit of I, I don't know if vulnerability is the right word because she's not really being vulnerable, but you could just see like she just hates her life, 
And then like, that's why she's so mean and terrible to everybody. <laughs> like, yeah. I th- yeah. I thought that was like a really important thing that they threw in there. Cause otherwise it would have just been like, here's this terrible person who's terrible through and through But you really, you realize like peering behind the, uh, cause something we talked about in the first half is like Roald Dahl does this thing where you, you are suspicious of adults having not figured out shit. Right. But like from the perspective of kids, which I think still holds true. And then it sort of gives you this moment of, well, here's why the adults are miserable. <laughs> Just right, for like yeah. a second yeah. to kind of give you context like a little bit. And you're like, oh, that's why she's that way. It's never enough where it's like, you know, this trend of like um, Disney live action movies where like, we must make the villain like relatable because Wicked happened. And, you know, like right, right. we it have to give really them like the sympathetic... Yeah. It doesn't make her sympathetic. It just makes you go like, oh, okay. okay like, yeah, yeah. sure. And, it, and it's funny. And like, yeah, it just it's just it's like just enough. I mean, it, I don't think it was ever going to be one dimensional because it's kind of like, you know, one of those iconic children's literature villains that mm-hmm. is like just fun on paper. Yeah. Um, but like it, it's like just enough where you're like, yes, OK, <laughs> here for it. But I think why it works for me is like I actually found it is a funny performance, but I actually found it really terrifying. And I'm so used to Emma Thompson always playing like this very sympathetic, you know, relatable character. Uh, like, I just tried to think of something where she's genuinely, like, so reprehensible, and it's, like, kind of hard here, because, like, she actually, like, I was like, this this is a woman fucking scaring me. <laughs> like, you know. That's why you get uh, Emma Thompson in that role, though, is because you're, like, you still, you see the eyes, and then you're, like, okay, it's, it's Emma Thompson. It's okay. Her eyes are, like, fucking, like, so intense, and, like, yeah. I'm just, like, I, I like I usually like like when she plays like oh and you know does all this prosthetic stuff for like Nanny McPhee or whatever it's to give like this very like oh you know relatable like sympathetic person and here I'm just like she is a fucking terror and I'm loving it like I actually was so thinking much. like if I was ever an actor I would th- those are the roles I would play those are the roles I would want to play I would either want to play like Trunchbull or like one of the parents just getting to be like an absolute like just cartoony piece of shit in a kids movie seems like it would be the most fun you could ever have on camera. Yeah, Stephen Graham and Andrea Riseborough seem like they're having so much fun. Like right. they're, I think their their parts are like a little cut down. I think compared to like compared other to adaptations and even just in the book. But like they are so fun in this. Like ah, uh, like because I like the the pranks that Matilda plays on her parents are just like again. I remember reading those scenes eight hundred times. I have like yeah. the memory of the words and how they're described played out, and it was like fun to watch that again. You know, like when you see an adaptation of something you've seen adapted, you know, eight hundred times, it's very much like okay, are they going to do this, this, and this, and is it going to actually be fun, or are they just cramming it in there? And they just I don't know. Is everything was just so fucking fun? I loved this. Yeah, every performance was so good. Um, who was the um the one that Ms. I Honey was very good too. She had a beautiful out. voice. Yes. I don't remember the actress. L- Lashana Lynch. Yes, that yes. was like because she was just in the last James Bond movie and yeah. like she's been in like Marvel stuff and I didn't realize she could sing and she had a gorgeous voice and like I, yeah I was like what <laughs> right I was like what the fuck and just like she is that perfect embodiment of that like person you like that adult you want in your life you yeah, know yeah, the yeah. one who is gonna look out for you and just and and then and then Alicia Weir was like oh, so she's good great. the. She's so good. Plays Matilda. Like, yeah, she's very, she's very cute. She's very just like she's very vulnerable cute. and just like oh hello, very sad, <laughs> like the yeah. saddest looking like kid. But like she's not like I think what I liked about her is like a lot of times you you have kids who are obviously very talented singers, but it kind of loses this effect of like actually feeling like a kid. And she has a very she has a very good like clear voice, but she also still sounds like a kid. Like mm-hmm. it was just very much like they how do they find this balance of like not being like this precocious like. Yeah, you know, like I've got from Prado already and a Ted, you know, like she well, what, what ends like up happening a, a lot of times is they'll have precocious kids are different from ki- where they make kids act like adults. 
which is like a very different, it's a very subtly different performance thing, right? You see this in shows that I don't really want to talk too much shit about, but certain Disney plus shows that I've seen where they try to make the kid be like, Oh, she's smart for her age, but really you're just, she's doing an imitation of like a young woman, which feels very unnatural. It just feels really weird. It's sort of like an uncanny Valley performance. almost. We're just like, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. And again, like in the book, Matilda, yeah, Matilda is still very much a kid in the book and right, she doesn't right. understand that like she, she knows she's smart, but she doesn't like it's not like how she sees herself in the world, you know? Right, right. Exactly. Like it's a crucial part uh, of it. Yeah. And they nailed it. Like I, as an adaptation, I just loved this. I think it leaned in it like it was still really funny and it got all of like the, the things that you love about Matilda in it. But like it lent itself more towards the sadness of it in a way that I haven't seen other versions do. And like, I loved it. Like it was just, it was, it was enough of Matilda and also its own thing. And again, the lyrics were so good and the fucking choreography was so good. Everything about fucking man. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'll say one last thing. My, my only criticism I really thought kind of what I was talking about earlier about the villains being sort of the, the strength of its villains or what the story relies on. And they address this too. It's like, but once Trunchbull is gone and the parents are gone and then it's just them sort of like being happy and like having the school and then like have it. It gets boring, like because like nothing's happening yeah, anymore. It's like yeah. it's not really interesting once the character, once the villains are gone. But of course, that's also when they just end the fucking movie. So they're like they got that. So it's sort of like it's a criticism, but they clearly responded to it within the film. But I will say that like that's the only thing I could think of where I thought, okay, well, as good as all those characters are, they're without that center, that center of gravity of like these really horrifically cartoony, like terrible villains. Uh, it it wouldn't work as well. I think I think what Roald Dahl's really good at with this kid books or especially the ones that get like really dark are ending them like kind of like right in this middle like ground of like this is a happy ending, but also kind of dark, you know, like Matilda, the book ends like literally immediately after her parents are like, OK, bye. And it's just like bye. this last little doodle of her and Miss Honey. And they're like, cool, this will be good. And like the witches ends because he stays a mouse in the book at the end of the witches. He's not. Right, right, right. I remember this. Into, Right. And like they, you know, it ends with them being like, oh, yeah, we're going to go on these missions and find other witches. But he's still a mouse, you know, <laughs> like he's stuck as that. Same with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. You see all these fucked up kids coming fucked up, walking out of this thing. But it's like, OK, Charlie, you get to have, you know, like there's always like that fine line of danger still kind of there. Well, it's also but- interesting because I know I was reading that Netflix paid some like ungodly amount of money for the rights to all of Roald Dahl's work and to be able to develop them. Mm-hmm. So this is the mm-hmm. first thing that they rolled out. Mm. And considering as I don't know if this is what they're deliberately doing, but it's just based on what you're talking about. It made me think of this as Disney famously changing the endings to, of their own fucking movies. Right. Like Jungle Book is the first one I always, as, um, that comes to mind of being like, well, maybe he should stay in the jungle and it's fine because, right, like, right. you know, colonialism and we don't like that anymore. So we're going to make this sort of more like palatable for, you know, contemporary audiences. It's interesting that they just didn't do that. And they're like, nope, the parents are like, bye. They don't have an ending where the yeah. parents are just like, maybe we've been terrible, Matilda. And like, we should take no, better care no of you. Like, they just don't even bother. They're like, nope, fuck it. Like, yeah. bye. I thought that was like. Again, like we, I sort of mentioned this earlier, but like I just thought that that was interesting. I was like, okay, cool, all right, you guys are really doing it. The Johnny Depp, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, where they have to mm-hmm. do like they even do the Disney thing where it's like we have to give Charlie, you know, or Willy Wonka a backstory and make it this. And uh-huh, even though it's uh-huh. very tongue in cheek, I'm just like, Jesus Christ, we don't need this shit. Why do we have to explain <laughs> everything? And I like that this movie doesn't. Yeah, it just kind of keeps the tone of Roald Dahl, and like you have to kind of trust that the world is a little 
kind of sad and dark and <laughs> like at times. And that's just kind of how it is. Um, so I, I could I could take the last song because I think like, OK, they needed something to end this song. Oh, for you sure. Know, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I, I totally yeah. get that they needed that 100 percent. I, yeah. I, and I think, and I like, like I said, I think they lot, wisely but... cut out of it. They didn't stay that long for it because I'm like, it just doesn't hold yeah, up right. without the terrible villain in it. Right, 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 right. Yeah. But I mean, I yeah, I, I don't really have anything else to say. Besides, yeah, I really, I'm like, really we like didn't really have any had... good like criticisms. <laughs> this says, we're just like, it was just really cool. This is really yeah. well done. This is like, really impressed. After like Diana and Mean Girls, where like all of the lyrics are just either bland or like um, bad. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, like no, the same like rhyming meter specifically lyrics yeah the lyrics i thought were just they're really funny and they were they were really yeah i i almost put this like some parts of it felt like mary poppins a little bit i i don't, I don't even put this like in the same category as like hamilton even just like the sort of mastery of word that happens in it is it's i, I didn't expect that kind of um parallel to come up in it but i was like oh okay i get it it's like a lot of like Sherman Brothers, like fun, like the lyrics are simple and they have fun. Yeah, sounds yeah, yeah. Sherman them, Brothers. But like they're good, still evocative. Like I think that's a really good point of comparison. That and maybe like a little bit of Cole Porter, like just very clever, kind of like mm-hmm. witty, like not overly witty. Like it's the right amount of like, here's a fun word to slide in wit. here. Um, great. Like really great. Like bravo to mention. Really, yeah, really enjoyed job. it. Like lyrics are hard. I feel like they get kind of put they in the really are, but they really, like, it's, it wasn't just gags. It's like, it's, it's fun. You know what I mean? Like that's the hard thing to do is to make lyrics fun in a way that like is also entertaining. Love this. So if you haven't seen it, go watch it. You haven't seen it. What was the, <laughs> what was the Latin? It. <laughs> What was the Latin phrase? Children or maggots? I forget what the actual. Yeah, children or maggots. Yeah, it's a maggotum. Oh my gosh. Oh, it was like it was like bambinum est maggotum or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's all you are all maggots Lovely. is the sign. I wanted to get. Yeah, that you are. Room. <laughs> I want that sign too. I was like, I need that coming into my house where it just sees you are all maggots. Um, but yeah, if you have not watched Matilda, highly recommend it. I'm probably gonna go watch it again because like I want Nick to see it. So yeah, it's really fun. I, I'm, I glad, I'm glad. I'm like glad we got to said, watch something yeah. really fun. Yeah, I'm, I am too. And thank you guys for, it was one of the ones that everybody harassed us about. And I'm like, yes, I'm glad we watched that one. That one was really fun. It was a really well done. My last thought is that yes. I'm sad I did not see it on Broadway. Like, I'm like, shit, I wish I had caught this on Broadway. Listen, still I wouldn't running. have gone that far, Angie. Let's like, let's not ruin a perfect <laughs> thing that we have here. But yes, as a, <laughs> right. I'm fucking with you. Yeah, it probably would have been fun. Yeah. But no, I, as a film too, I just, I liked, I thought it was really, it's Mad Max Fury Road, the musical is, is, Yes. People are going to say I'm crazy, but go watch it and watch the cutting style and watch the rhythm of it. I'm telling you, it's the same thing. Believe us. This is like if George Miller made a film, I mean, George Miller directed a musical is sort of like what it is. If George Miller made a musical film, 100%. (laughs) Does Happy Feet count? Honestly, yes. I actually never Uh, saw Happy Feet. Was that a musical? Oh, it's not a musical musical, but there are a lot of like like dancing numbers in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, if George Miller made a Broadway musical into a movie for children, um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think... I think this would be kind of that. And I totally see it now. I, I was trying to figure out what it made me feel like watching it. And that is yep. that is it. Thanks for the recommendation. Loved yeah. it. Thank you, guys. We really enjoyed it. Uh, let us know your yeah. thoughts, which I guess you've technically already all told us that, which is why we watch it in the first place. But continue <laughs> right. to tell us your thoughts. Or if you haven't watched yeah. it and you watched it after hearing us talk about it, please let us know. Uh, you can yes. follow us on Twitter at Musical Splaining with no G and at Musical Splaining mm-hmm. with a G on Instagram. I personally am at Kavataharian on Twitter and at Perma Friends on Instagram. 
And I am Hawaii Angelina Hawaii on Twitter. Hawaii. Hawaii. Hawaii Angelina Y on Twitter and Angelina underscore S-E-E on Instagram. And don't forget, we have a Patreon. If you like what we do, please Patreon. go check us out. We just had a live stream uh, this week and it was a ton of fun. And it was really fun. I, each other. I, I'm yeah. excited to do more of them because the first one I was very nervous. And then this one I was like, OK, yes. I feel like we're, we're getting into a rhythm for it. It's finally so you've walked the floorboards now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're an old pro. So, yes, please check us out on Patreon. Uh, check out our merch uh, again. Merch, Kave has designed merch, some lovely merch, merch for all you nerds, because if you're listening to this, you're a nerd. It's OK. I'm a nerd. We're all nerds. Yeah. You need to answer yourself one question being... right now. Which is why yeah. haven't you bought merch yet? If you don't have an answer, unless it's not question. having money, if you don't have money, then tell someone to give you money for free so you can buy yeah. merch or have them buy you the merch directly and then just send it to you because you don't yeah. need money. You just need the merch. You need the money no, for the no. merch. Uh, yes. I'm derailing this entire uh, plug for our merch now at this point, but yes. <laughs> to the chokey! Oh, to the chokey for you. But yes, thank you so much as always for joining in, and we can't wait to catch you on the next episode. We probably won't enjoy it as much as whatever we did you know, today, so, probably or not. you probably won't, Kaveh. <laughs> enjoy. Uh, the time has come to put my tumbly tum to use and go on to the next I have nothing episode. to add to that. <laughs>